This morning's Bible reading comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. It's on the screen behind me and can also be found in the Church Bibles on page 1579. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Thanks, Beth. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Uh, my name's Jack, if I haven't met you before. I'm one of the pastors here. Our senior pastor, Carl, is away on holidays at the moment uh, with his family. Feels like half of the 11am service is also away on holidays at the moment. Uh, good time of year to be doing it with this uh, beautiful weather we've been getting. Uh, but over the, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at who Jesus is as the wise king in Mark's gospel. Over the last two weeks in particular, we've, we've seen that Jesus is the wise king with mastery, uh, mastery over, over politics with the, the Pharisees. You might remember tried to trap him with a question about taxes. Uh, we've seen that he's the wise king with mastery over theology as well, with those Sadducees who tried to, to trap him and tried to test him about the resurrection. Uh, well, this week, uh, we see that Jesus is the wise king who knows the best way to live. Jesus is the wise king who knows the best way to live. Now, I think we have, have a couple of, of school students in the room this morning, maybe a teacher or two as well. Um, so just like, who's looking forward to going back to school in a week's time? Got like... Yeah, yeah, the mum, mum, any parents kind of looking forward to it maybe, maybe school teachers. I'm looking forward to school going back. I'm really looking forward to school going back. It means that youth group's going back, right, TCU youth. Can't wait, couple of Fridays, getting keen. Uh, but I have, I have a question for you to think through. Uh, looking at this year ahead, if you had to answer the question, out of all the, the subjects in school, which one is the most important? What do you reckon you'd say? To, to everyone here, what do you reckon... What do you reckon you'd say? I wonder how you'd answer that question. See, chances are there'd be a little bit of debate around which subject it would be. And if any of you said anything other than music, well, you'd obviously be wrong as well. We'd all answer differently, wouldn't we? See, this morning we, we read of a question asked by a teacher. They're a teacher of the law. The law was how God commanded the Israelites to live if they were to live in a right relationship with God and if, if they were to flourish as his people in his promised land. And this teacher of the law's question for Jesus is this, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Well, this week in Jesus' answer, we see that he is the wise king who knows the best way to live. If you've got a leaflet in front of you, you'll see that point one says uh, the question. 
Now, since um, kind of the end of Mark chapter 11, in this chunk of Mark's gospel, we see teachers of the law and Sadducees and Pharisees and chief priests and elders, uh, they all are trying to catch Jesus out in different ways by asking him difficult questions, bringing difficult things before him, as we've seen especially over the last two weeks. But every step of the way, Jesus has answered without missing a beat. He's proven himself to be the wise king, the one to listen to. And it's no different this week. See, this week Jesus has asked another question. And at surface level, it seems to be a really uh, innocent and kind of uh, genuine question that is, that is asked. Um, and it may well be. But in uh, Matthew's account of this event, the same thing happening, the person who asked this question, they're trying to do so to try to test Jesus. But whatever the intentions of the teacher of the law in Mark chapter 12, uh, Jesus' intentions seem clear to help his hearers understand the best way to live. See, the question that is asked of Jesus, whatever the intention behind it, gets right at the heart of how God calls his people to live, how he calls us to live. The question asked is, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And I wonder how our leaders and our teachers and celebrities would answer that question today. Those people who we listen to who, and who, who direct our society and culture, what do you think they'd say? I think probably for, for most of them, they'd kind of scratch their head and go, what's the commandment? Uh, but if they were asked, what's the best way to live, what would they say? Well, Jesus gives us point two, though, the wise answer. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. See, in Jesus' answer, he doesn't discredit the Old Testament law. He doesn't discredit God's commandments to Israel. And it's really important to highlight that. Jesus isn't saying the rest of the Old Testament law is useless. But what he's identifying here are the commands that sit right at the heart of Old Testament law. He's identifying the engine. The engine behind it. And what the best life lived looks like. And that engine is love. A love, firstly, that God shows to us. See, in Jesus' reply, he quotes something called the Shema, which means to listen or hear. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the Old Testament. Now, Deuteronomy is a book in the Old Testament. And in the context that Deuteronomy chapter 6 sits in uh, is in the Israelites having been reminded of a loving God of the loving action of God toward those who's rescued from slavery and the way they're called to respond to God now as his covenant people, people who are in relationship with God. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 37, because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. See, God is a God who loves. He loves his people. He rescues his people he acts towards them out of the fullness of his love and later in, in deuteronomy 6 a couple of chapters later after having established this great love that god has for israel and the covenant relationship that exists between them we read these words from verse 3 it should be on the screen behind me read hear israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And then there are those words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. See, the Israelites are called to respond to the fullness of God's love for them in the same way. By loving him with their all. The way God deserves to be loved. Both in action and in thought. This is where Jesus goes. But then he also quotes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Now, in Leviticus chapter 19, uh, verses 11 to 18, God commands the Israelites how to act toward each other in their relationships. He's looked at the vertical between us and God. Now it's us and each other. He finishes in verse 18 by saying this, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. See, what lies at the heart of Old Testament law, Jesus says, love. Firstly, love of God. Secondly, love of each other. These are the greatest commandments. All the other commandments are to stem from this attitude, from this love for God. The engine of serving God and each other is love. When we read through the Ten Commandments that God gave to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 20, you might like to read that a bit later on today. You'll see it stands out quite a lot. The first four commandments concern how someone is to act toward God and the last six commandments concern how someone is to act toward others. See, when Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor, he isn't discarding the rest of the law. He's not discarding the Ten Commandments. He's highlighting what sits at the center of it. The command to love. The teacher of the law in Mark seems to get this when Jesus says it. The teacher of the law responds, Well said, teacher. You were right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. In contrast to the, to the religions around them of their day where there were multiple gods, the teacher is recognizing that there is one God. There's no other God but our God. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. So what's going on here? Well, point three this morning, duty or love. Now, I need my two trusty volunteers to come up the front to help me out with this, this next point. Could you welcome up Chris and Kim? Welcome, welcome. <coughs> I'm going to give these to you, Chris, now. Now, Chris and Kim are siblings. Would you say you guys love each other? Like to look after each other? Yeah, yeah. Like to serve each other? Yeah, most of the time? Yeah, yeah. On the tennis court. Excellent. All right, Chris, I'm just going to ask you to, to, to serve Kim right now. Kim, you're quite hungry, right? <laughs> Haven't had breakfast yet. You're pretty hungry. We're going to give you some nutritious breakfast right here. Um, Chris, you've used, we're COVID safe as well, so we're going we're gonna to use our tongs. Can you please help Kim have breakfast? Feed, feed Kim. Nice, nutritious breakfast. Well done. What's, isn't that beautiful to see? That sibling love. It's so good. It's so nice. All right. So now we're going to do this. All right. It's a, it's a great game. <laughs> All right. Hands down by his side. We're going to try something a bit different. Maybe. Um, Jimmy, Kim, would you mind holding that for me? Thank you. Just maybe wrap it around there. A bit more. A little bit more. I think that's that needs about maybe one more. Cricket. There we go. Is that? That's probably. I've got to actually learn how to try not. This is why I should have done horse. Well, there. Okay. Hey, Chris. Can Kim's looking pretty hungry still. Can you just? Would you try to serve her? Would you try to just feed her? Would you just try to try harder? 
Can you just can you do it? Can you just get us some breakfast? She's really hungry. She's, there we go. We got one. We got one. Okay, well done. Well done. Okay. Well done. Well done. Alright, one more time. One more time. It's a good try. It's a good try by no cigar. There we go. There we go. Okay. What's going on? What's the point? What's the point? All right, all right. You can you can get yourself untied if you want. There we go. Hold on. We can just just say thanks to Chris and Kim just for that. All right. What's what's going on there? We're thinking through really at the moment of being 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 driven by love towards God in our relationship with Him, or whether we're we're bound by duty to Him. The point is, God doesn't want us to respond to Him and to live a life in his world that is characterized by being duty-bound. He wants us to be driven by love for him, just like he's driven by love for us. He wants a relationship, not duty. Being just duty-bound, it means that when, when life gets hard and difficult, you know, when the lolly jar's getting moved around, well, when something else comes along that's a bit easier, we find it a bit easier to, to justify kind of kind of jumping ship and moving to that thing. It means our, our hearts kind of kind of wander and, and they, they cling to other things. Other things that draw our att- attention and, and our desire and our minds away from God and His love. The things that promise us love but ultimately just draw us away from our greatest love. See, God desires a relationship driven by love, not duty. Jesus cuts to the heart of the problem with the Israelites in the Old Testament, also to the heart of the problem uh, with those we see in Mark's Gospel who continue to oppose him every step of the way. Which actually we know is, is the problem with all people everywhere, including us. That we have hearts that are full of divided love. Hearts that are drawn away from God and into different other things. Our loves are divided and not centred where they should be and not ordered how they should be. Back in the Old Testament, the Israelites were called out for this in Isaiah chapter 1. See, they were carrying out burnt offerings in accordance with the law. They were going to the temple courts. They were were playing out the motions of worshipping God. Uh, But God says in Isaiah 1 verse 11, and it should be on the screen behind me, I have had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of well-fed cattle. I have no desire for the blood of bulls, lambs, or male goats. And later in Isaiah, in chapter 29, 13, God says this about his people. These people come near me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. God doesn't want your duty He doesn't want your lip service. He wants your love, just as he loves you. The teacher of the law seems to to get this, but it's interesting, isn't it? We read that when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he does answer wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. That's point four. Close, but not there yet. See, Jesus, the wise king, isn't someone to just agree with. He's someone we need to respond to. He's not just someone to agree with, he's someone we need to respond to. And that's the constant call of Jesus in Mark, isn't it? To repent and believe. The very first words that Jesus speaks in Mark's gospel, in Mark 1 verse 15, is the time has come 
he said, the kingdom of God has come near. And then he doesn't say the kingdom of God has come near, so hurry up and, and love God like you're meant to and love your neighbor like you're meant to. Go do it. It's not what he says because he knows the problem of our hearts that are divided in their loves and not centered on our God. He knows the problem of sin that exists in all of us. So he says the kingdom of God has come near, so repent and believe the good news. That Jesus' call is to turn away from sin and away from trying to do life our own way to doing life God's way by putting our faith in who Jesus is, is the one who can restore our relationship with our loving God. Because he's the one perfect sacrifice for our sin. The one who can, who can do this for us, who we're called to follow as our king. It's not just enough to agree with Jesus that we should love God and love our neighbor. We need to turn to him in total dependence to save us from what we deserve for rejecting God, to help us live as we ought to, and to show us how to live as we ought to. See, we need to depend on Jesus every single step of the way in that relationship with God. Because without Jesus, it's impossible. Without Jesus, we're, we're the same as the teacher of the law. He's, he's not far from the kingdom of God. But whether you are close or far away, it doesn't matter. Without turning to Jesus in repentance and belief, you, you don't get in. But how great is the love of God that we see in Jesus, our wise king, who makes a way for us to enter into the kingdom of God and who shows us what it looks like to live as a citizen of that kingdom now, not by living as those who are bound by duty, but as those who have responded to the love of God in faith, and who love him in return, and who love each other the way he shows us to. Everything we do in response to God and in response to each other is driven by this love. But what does that look like? What does that look like for you this year, looking at, at 2023 that's ahead of us? Because it's all well and good to say, love God with your all, with everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, but it's pretty hard, right? It can be really hard. So what does it look like? Well, I think for all of us to answer that question requires a fair bit of personal reflection. So I'm just going to invite you, if you've got a leaflet and a pen, just get ready to write. Or you might like to actually just take out your phone and the notes section, take some notes. There's actually going to be some questions that are going to pop up on the screen. I'm going to ask you to put them up now. We're going to look through these in a bit. You might like to just even take a photo of these questions, but we'll, we'll get to those in a second. But how do, you, how do you think about Jesus as our wise king and the one to listen to compared to other people? How do you think about Jesus as our wise king and the one to listen to compared to other people, to, to other people of influence in our world? See, whose voice do you listen to when it comes to living the best life now? Is there a celebrity or, or an athlete or a scholar or an influencer, someone you're, you find yourself drawn to listening to more and more? So I think it really boils down to two ways to pursue the best life now and how we should live now. You can listen to the one who offers relationship with the living God of the universe, who, who loves you so much that death was a price he was willing to pay to get you. Or you can listen to the one who offers something temporary and fading that is chained to this world and who demands your life and your eternity as the price. So it should be a no-brainer, right? To listen to Jesus, the wise 
and loving king who knows the best way to live. I think this is part of what it means to love God with all our mind. If our mind is where our understanding comes from, if we choose to spend our time uh, filling our minds with things that aren't God's, uh, choose to spend our time not seeking to listen to him or learn about him, well, those things that we're filling our minds with, we'll probably begin to love those. If I'm only ever daydreaming and thinking about money, um, I'll grow in my understanding of, of how to make more, I'll grow in my understanding of what I can do with more money. But it means I'm growing stale in my relationship with God when I'm kind of just shoving him to the side. I'm not growing in my understanding of how to live for him. And I'll probably just start thinking about him less. And that will mean I'll probably start putting my strength into just pursuing more money. Not pursuing how to love or live for God. Rather than using my strength and energy to serve God and those around me, by seeking to love my neighbor who's in need or who is going through a hard time or who is struggling in their faith in Jesus, I'm putting that strength into pursuing something else. And God and those he's instructed me to love just get left by the wayside. Suddenly I find myself just going through the motions, honoring Jesus with my lips, offering those, those burnt offerings and those sacrifices. But all the while my heart's just slipping away from him. I'm, I'm rocking up, but it's just out of duty. And it's getting harder. And I'm just finding myself desiring to be somewhere else. See, that would reveal, I think, what my heart really desires. And what my soul, the very center of my being, is seeking to cling to and draw life from. Yeah, this might reveal that comfort is the thing that money gets you. Or it might reveal that the, the good opinion of others is the thing money gets you. Or security is the thing that money gets you. It might be a bit deeper than just just money on the surface level but one thing leads into another and, and love works itself out in action and shows what and who we really desire and what we really spend our time thinking about so when you reflect on the year ahead what does it look like to love what does love look like in response to god and in the way you act toward others I want you to jot down these three questions that are on the screen or take a photo of them. Just have them with you this week. Here are those questions. What do you find yourself filling your mind with? What do you spend the majority of your strength pursuing? What is your great desire for the year ahead? And how does God factor into it? And under those questions, have this prayer. My Lord and God, please work in my heart and order my loves that I might love you more, the things of this world less, and love my neighbor as myself. I think it's really helpful and important to remember that none of us do this the way we should. No one can love God how they're meant to because our loves are divided is why we so desperately need Jesus. And this is where we see the extent of God's love for us. Remember, love starts with God. Back in Deuteronomy, just as he rescued his people Israel from slavery to the Egyptians, he's rescued us from our slavery to sin and his judgment because of it. And not only that, he makes a way for us to have new hearts, hearts that will be perfected one day in the new creation. 
He gives us hearts that are turned toward him. And he does so at the greatest cost imaginable. The death of his own son on the cross. And so we see what real love looks like. And as you reflect on the year ahead, don't forget this. It all starts with God and how he has loved us when we didn't love him. That God loves you. That the God of the whole entire universe, who sits right in the center of absolutely everything, he loves you. Just let that sit with you. And he wants you to love him in return, not to just be bound by duty. We have a wise king who, who shows us the best way to live in relationship with God. We have a wise king who makes it possible for us to have that relationship. But the final thing to say is that if our hearts are changed and shaped by God to be more directed toward him and to love the way we're supposed to love, then let's keep talking to and asking God for help to love him this way, to depend on him constantly in prayer, not just to agree that we should. Return to those questions and that prayer throughout the coming weeks, throughout the year ahead as well, and see how it unfolds. I'm actually going to lead us in doing so now. So let's pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you for our wise King Jesus, who not only shows us the best way to live, but makes it possible for us to live that way in loving relationship with you as we turn to him in faith and repentance. Lord, please work in our hearts. Please order our love that this week we might love you more, the things of this world less, and love our neighbours as ourselves. Amen.